so let's take a moment to look at some questions, comments, and donations. There's quite a few over on Odyssey. So I'll start with the first one that I saw. It's from Insightful World. He says, two of my favorites. Hello, Pox and Endeavor. Pox, completely unrelated. <laughs> I was recently in Cadiz and was so surprised and refreshed on how Spanish and unenriched it was. I could easily live there. Have you ever visited? Uh, yes, I've been to Cadiz. I went during the time that they celebrate Carnival. Didn't quite enjoy it. It was too many people, and I, I don't like big public piss-ups, really. And it was just quite actually <laughs> disgusting, people urinating in the street and everything, and then just huge gatherings in the in the plazas, you know, in the squares of people, you know, celebrating and their costumes and drinking and everything. But I did enjoy the rest of the city uh, the other days that I was there when it was a bit more peaceful. That was fine. And it's a, it's in a lovely location, uh, very nice beaches. You've got the, the sea is right there. Um, I think it's one of the oldest cities in Europe as well. So it has that going for it. Now, as far as the demography, the population of the city, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, if it's uh, very Spanish and un, unenriched by new arrivals. I wouldn't imagine so because the, the migrants that come to Spain tend to gravitate, tend to be sort of drawn as if by a magnet to Barcelona, to Catalonia, to Madrid, and they kind of just stay there. Although the other regions of Spain are seeing their population, especially of Moroccans, increasing quite a lot. Okay, next we have $3 from Dino Legovic. Always good to see Dino in the chat. He says, good luck, Antipodians. <laughs> okay. Then we have $10 from Gaius Maximus. Also good to see him. He says, hey, fellas, do you ever think about the Roman Empire? Endeavor? Uh, maybe once or twice a day. Yep, uh, I would say once or twice a day. It's definitely daily. I think about the Roman Empire daily. And it's not even like I think about it. I am just constantly you know, reading about it or watching a video about it, or if I'm reading even another book that, you know, ostensibly has nothing to do with the Roman Empire, it is mentioned in that book, it's referenced to in that book. So it's a daily occurrence that the Roman Empire crosses my mind. In fact, I'm to the point now where it's like, like my, my response is, how could you not think of the Roman Empire? <laughs> okay, and then Gadius again with another $10 donation. He says, I really enjoyed Endeavor's Robespierre video. It went well with Morgoth's Aliens essay because of the similar themes of jumping the shark and nobody cares. That's twice that Morgoth and Endeavor have done that. First with Indiana Jones. I suspect they're conspiring behind the scenes. Okay, that one is literally, that's actually impossible because uh, we released the video on the, we re well, I've released a video. He released a blog post on Indiana Jones on the same day. And... There's no way you could have coordinated that because like it takes weeks and weeks for me. To, it took me weeks to make that video. So I, mean, I think it's just a thing of, you know, we, we, we talk very regularly and we have, we comment on, on these cultural issues to get, uh, together and, you know, uh, you know, similar minds think alike. So that, uh, that's the thing with the Indiana Jones one. I do think the other example, the two were kind of different. So Morgoth's essay on aliens was that there was this which which was also shown to be a hoax but there was this alleged alien sighting and not sighting but these full, like, uh, full body display man yeah in mexico <laughs> so they were saying that yeah. like they had these they had these aliens fossilized these, remains yeah in mexico <laughs> they're revealing these alien remains and what he said was that decades ago this would have been seen as this like amazing thing but kind of our culture has kind of left that behind and now nobody cares and he says well it was because we've seen aliens through the pop culture so much kind of like what we spoke about with krogan in the metaverse that you know we've seen aliens so much in our uh tv screens that we're no longer impressed by it uh, the, the uh for the the robespierre video that i made so i i made a video about i first it was a blog post on substack then i later turned it into a video but it was about an event from the french revolution called the festival of the supreme being 
so it was it was not uh, the, the French made not only one but two revolutionary religions during the French Revolution to replace Catholicism. And Robespierre made this like uh, the first one was the cult of reasons. It's, it's atheistic religion. The second one was that was this deistic version. And they had this really weird festival in 1794 where Robespierre basically made a religion of his own. And then they held this grandiose festival to celebrate the God of reason and of liberty. And it was really weird. And basically, uh, as I put it in the video, it's about how this is the point when he jumped the shark. This is the point where, the, as the internet would say, he posted cringe. And I, and I compared mm -hmm. it to a few other political movements that have gone down the similar path. So uh, that was a fun, that was a fun uh, video to make. Perhaps in our lifetimes, we will see a political movement jumping the shark. And <laughs> I, I, I actually, I tagged you on, on yeah. Twitter because there was that Apple advert where, what's the name of the new C, the current CEO? Uh, Tim Cook. Uh, Tim Cook. He, he is the only white man sitting at the table. He's not sitting in a prominent position. And, and, he's like, and he's gay he's, as well. So, so there are no straight. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's, it, you, it's clearly set up so that, you know, white man is not in the position of authority he's sat kind of like you know an awkward kid at a school lunch table he's not in any sort of leadership position he's not sitting at the head of a table he's scrunched over and he's barely on camera for you know much of it instead everyone else in this you know meeting room is well they're all rather obese and various shades of brown and many of them are women and then apparently the whole you know setup is that they're having a meeting with mother nature and mother nature is upset she's not happy because apple isn't meeting their you know zero carbon goals or whatever it's worth noting that mother nature is an obese black woman i was going to say and mother nature is played by an obese black woman who is very bitchy um and it was just one of the worst uh, uh, well i guess one of the best uh, uh, examples of cringe it depends how you want to look at it it was really good cringe <laughs> it was really good <laughs> And so I, I tagged you on Twitter and I said, hey, yeah. Endeavor, is, is this, you know, our moment of the, is this liberalism finally jumping the shark? Well, um, uh, what I'll say to that is I don't think that there's going to be this one moment where, you know, they jump the shark and then it all comes crashing down. What I think, though, is what I think is more, what I think is more essential is that what's happening, I think, is that the messaging they're putting out now feels extremely forced. So... We, uh, I think pretty much everyone listening to this is pretty well aware that the propaganda, the conditioning that's gotten us to where we are has been going on for decades and decades, uh, possibly even the last century or so. But it, it's only within the last couple of years that people really started taking, a no taking notice of it. And it, it just feels like a, what a, a lot of the stuff that they're coming out with now, it, it feels really desperate. Like it feels really desperate to kind of uphold these false narratives that their system is based on and well it's just coming across as being extremely forced like this apple video i mean uh i mean yeah you, i mean you basically just said you basically just said it with what uh that it was one of the most like painful things to watch painful things to watch ever but um i i just feel like that that, that you know a lot of the momentum that i guess you could say global homo had behind it and a couple of years ago is really seeming to running. It seems like it's running out of steam. I don't know. I I hope that's the case. I don't. I mean, I don't want to be. Uh, I, I don't want to be too premature about that. But it does feel like the messaging is kind of. Uh, it's getting a bit forced. And, and I also do feel that people are kind of getting a bit burnt out on the outrage cycle, because, mm -hmm. um, like for example, I remember a couple of weeks ago, and I only heard about this because Jim Goad wrote about it. But there was an example, another like sh a random shooting in America. And there was a guy, it was a white guy, and he shot a bunch of black people, a couple of black people before shooting himself. And he said that he hated them or something like that. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. I disavow this. I, I disavow any kind of, of violence or criminality. I don't mean to, I, and none of this is, is meant to like, none of this is meant to make excuses for the guy. But it wasn't this media circus like I would have expected. So if mm -hmm. you remember back when the, uh, what was it called? Char Char Charleston? Uh, the, the shooting Char that happened. No, not Charlottesville. The shooting that happened in uh, Carolina about, I think, 2015 or 2016. Well, basically, there was a shooting in this church, and it was a, it was a white guy. Oh, white yeah. Is that church. the Dylan Roof? Uh, Dil yeah, that was, that's the one. Okay, yeah. I remember back then, there was this massive media campaign for weeks and weeks and weeks on this thing. You know, this was at the very beginning of the Great Awakening, and 
this got like the Confederate flag removed from a lot of official mm-hmm. buildings in the South. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember if some of the Southern states actually did remove the uh, Confederate battle flag from their state flag. Is Everyone who loves Civil War history will know that, that, that that's actually not the Confederate flag, but the Confederate battle flag. I got to put that in there. But um, this was this emblem was on several of the state flags. And I think one of them might have actually removed this emblem. So there was this huge media campaign and all of this stuff. And I, did they start taking down like Confederate general statues at that point? I know that someone I know, you know, John Lieberwitz, better known as John Stewart, said that he, he went on this spiel about how horrible it is for black people to have to drive by a Confederate statues of Confederate <laughs> generals who want who wanted to keep them enslaved. But my point is that the anti-whites, the lefts, g- made a huge campaign out of all of this stuff and, and were able to push through a lot of a lot of changes based on this one event. But then this recent event, it was barely even reported. So I don't know, is this is this a sign that the outrage machine is running out of steam? I hope so. It could also be that next year there will be an election and they're going to crank it back up to 11. I don't yeah, know. But... I was going to say, I, I, I think it's a combination of some things here. And I, I hope you're right that, you know, the regime that, you know, all of their different narratives are running out of steam or. Yeah. And I, I, will, way... I, I will note that I hope I'm right, too. I'm not saying it definitively. Yeah. And, and to put it another way, maybe it's that the regime is falling. And if something is falling, perhaps we should push it and help it along its fall. Something to think about. Also, it makes me wonder how much of these shootings get amplified specific purposes and which ones get ignored. We, we, we all know, obviously, that black shootings, black mass shootings get ignored completely. So obviously, it's not you know, some schizo-conspirator nonsense to suggest that the media and the ruling class highlight or amplify or magnify certain acts of violence and obscure others. And then also, it, it reminds me of the doxing phenomena. It seems that people don't care as much about being doxed anymore. I think, mm-hmm. I think perhaps people are just realizing that some of these are like narratives. It's the correct word. They aren't. They aren't news events. They aren't newsworthy. They're just only being amplified to serve a narrative. And I think a lot of people have realized this, and they're getting just bored with it it's now it's it's quite repetitive and this is also you know playing out with the russell brand thing over in the uk yeah. um i mean i guess i guess, yeah. it's, I guess it's global but he seems to have a lot of you know public support whereas a few years ago you know in the height of the me too stuff that probably would not have happened but so much so many false accusations and clear you know trial by public opinion shambles took place that now people are actually willing to publicly defend russell brand and then when you see what youtube has done and you see that this minister in britain completely out of bounds completely violating (laughs) apparently she even violated all the way back to the magna carta she's violating you know british tradition and british law she's getting in contact personally with elon musk and with the ceos over at youtube and rumble and everywhere demanding that they uh, de-platform Russell Brand. And, you know, that was, that's pretty clear that it's a, it's a political hit job. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I despise Russell Brand. I don't like the guy at all. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if many of the accusations against him are true because looking at the guy and looking at his past and looking at, you know, his just rampant degeneracy throughout his life and even like admitting to having relation, uh, sexual relations with girls as young as 16 I wouldn't be surprised if the things that they're saying about him are true. Now, I'm not going to definitively say that because I don't know. But the thing is that it's not so much that whether it's true or not, it's clear that there it's only being made a thing because he has said a few things which they're not happy about. Now, I, again, exactly. I don't I don't think Russell Brand is on our is by any stretch an ally of ours, but he not had, at all. He, he had said a few things about COVID a few things about lockdowns, a few things about technocracy, and I think about WEF. And so, I mean, he said some, uh, what are rather, which we would consider rather vanilla things, but it's clear that, that, that uh, they're basically just digging this stuff up on him, whether it's true or not, and basically using that as, and basically just using that against him to, to basically get him kicked off of these platforms. And well, uh, what I will say is this, it basically, if it, if it is, if it comes out that Russell Brand actually, in fact, 
is guilty of some of the accusations that are being uh, made against him. Well, then what that shows is that the regime and the the um, you know the the, uh, the the intelligentsia and stuff was not unha- was not uh, unhappy with Russell Brand's sexual impropriety. Like, let's assume that let's mm-hmm. say that if it is true that he actually did this, it's not his sexual impropriety that they're angry about. It's the fact that he said something about uh, COVID or that they're angry about that he questioned some of their policies. That only then did any of this stuff matter to them. I agree. Over on Odyssey, we have another $5 donation. It's from The Rules of Reality Apply. And he writes, the massive debt burdens, I think, are at the root of the power structures. The governments and companies are slaves to the debt. At some point, a debt reckoning and the sacrifice it entails will be required. It is default and too bad for international finance, politicians and corporations, or goodbye European homelands. I think there's probably some truth to that comment, um, the rules of reality apply. And if you read A History of Central Banking by uh, Stephen Goodson, you will definitely see that all throughout history, even going back to ancient history, finance rules and banking rules, and especially with the advent of central banking, that that has been the way now for quite some time. And it's we are we are enslaved and we don't even know it. And that's why it's the subtitle of that book is The Slavery of Mankind. History of Central Banking, The Slavery of Mankind, I think is something like that. And I think it's an appropriate uh, word to use. Endeavor, any thoughts on on debt and finance and how that is really at the root of all this? No, I mean, I'm not a finance guy. I will say that I think the economy is in bad shape. I'm not going to go so far to say it's at the root of all of this, because as we've just been discussing during this stream, there is a lot of stuff at the root of this. Maybe, And I think maybe this is part of it, but... Uh, I I don't I don't think I'm qualified enough to make these like statements on finance though. Now, Endeavor, you mentioned the rage machine, so let's talk a little bit about something else that came up in the in the whirlwind of the week that was. Over in Britain, there was this. Well, two things happened, and so and one of them was what really got me interested in you know thinking about this whole rage machine and and the attention span economy and all that. So there was a song by this uh, thing called Horrible Histories. Many of you might be familiar with it. Uh, But two years ago, they made and released this song called Being Here from the Start. And the song and the music video which accompanied it is performed by all Uh, black people and it's a song about how black people have been you know in britain from the start but not only just been there you know sort of randomly but have also played some sort of fundamental central pivotal role in every element every part every epoch of british history now i don't know exactly how it happened but two years later now in 2023, that song went viral again because I remember commenting on it two years ago, but it went viral again last week and all of our guys were talking about it. Even Survive the Jive made an excellent video response to it. But what was interesting to see was how it was like the rage machine got switched on again and we were back to debunking or arguing and or responding to something that was two two years old like it, it was actually it had already been said and done before although this time it seems like the response was bigger like i said this time even survived survived the jive made a made a video debunking all of this so that whole song creeping up again happened and then it coincided with the publication of a children's history book in the uk called brilliant black British history, something to that effect. And it's the same thing. In this book, children are taught that sub-Saharan Africans, black people, have, were, were the original you know, inhabitants of the British Isles. They built Stonehenge. They were, uh, you know, they were the, the, the Tudor family is portrayed as black, or there's this illustration of you know, blacks during... Black British during the Tudor era, and it's just all these black people in powdered wigs 
the Romans who invaded were black and the, the Celts who they encountered, the Britons who they encountered, hey, surprise, they're also black. <laughs> and so <laughs> this, oh this book was published. And at the same time, this, I, maybe perhaps in the promotion for that book, that's why this, that, you know, that song and music video popped up again. I, th I thought it was very strange because I remember this video and it seemed to me like this time there were many people commenting on it, like as if for the first time, I was wondering if, well, have they forgotten or is it really the first time they've seen it or are we all being manipulated by the rage machine to react to this? You know, are, are we in the metaverse? Are we being manipulated and our emotions are manipulated and our, our attention is being directed places? So that, that thought crossed my mind, but then also, you know, something that what we talked about the first time we spoke was how to avoid being demoralized and what should we pay attention to? Now, I think this is an example of where our reaction, our, our attention is probably justified. It's important that, that we respond to these things. Yes, it can be demoralizing to always be on the back foot, always having to react to this constant bullshit, but you know, this is quite insidious, especially this children's book, which has a very low rating on Amazon. I think our guys and just the general public have done very well downvoting it and, you know, saying that this is anti-white propaganda trash. It has, I think, a 1.5 star rating, but according to Amazon, at least, it's the number one bestseller in oh, children's God. history. And if you look at the, the top five, or the top four, rather, that book is number one, followed by a book about Anne Frank, like a publication of Anne Frank's Diary for Children, and then another book about Africans, about Blacks in Britain, about the Windrush generation. And those are the top bestsellers in children's history, European history. So that's a problem. And that, and that gets into another thing that we spoke about too, which is about living in another people's mythos and having our own story taken from us and subverted and tainted and, and inverted where now we're the villains. And then this other mythos, this other story is superimposed on it. So I don't know if any of that, you know, caught your attention. Well, if you have any thoughts on the, the song, the, or what do you, do you think it's worth responding to? Well, well, Oh, well, well, the go song ahead, itself, the song itself is is obviously just nonsense, and I I didn't even know that it was two years old. I just saw a couple of people, I, and again, I haven't listened to the entire song. I just saw that uh, a couple of people are tweeting about it, and then I watched "Survive the Jives" video, which I would argue is is very useful. I think that Tom uh, did a great, uh, I believe is his name, uh, he did a great job on that video, and it's extremely important because uh, there are a lot of people out there that will believe this nonsense and. Uh, we want to have material out there which counters that. Now, how do we avoid, where do you balance between like, you know, being uh, in the thick of it and, you know, debunking their, their lies and, uh, and countering their propaganda versus feeding into the outrage machine? I'd say it's real. it really is about your own emotions. So uh, when I saw this video, I didn't, I didn't feel like this deep anger because I know that that's what they, that I know that, I mean, I do feel this deep anger, but I don't feel like, I guess I don't like, I, it doesn't, I, I don't become overwhelmed with these emotions because I know that there's so much of this stuff out there. And if you, if you were constantly uh, feeling that way, you're going to just be driven mad by it. I think that the first time we spoke, we, uh, I used this example of you got to be like an officer in the trench in world war one. You know, you're going to see a bunch of people uh, getting uh, blown blown to pieces, but you have to, you know, maintain you have to maintain your composure because all these other men are relying on you. I kind of think of, I kind of think of uh, it that way, that with uh, these horrible things that happen or, you know, propaganda or these crimes that are, are committed against our people or or things like Lampedusa, uh, you have to if especially if you're if you're going to be somebody a commentator somebody who people listen to i think you just have to like maintain a, a maintain your composure and not uh allow like your um and, and not allow it to get under your skin but i still think you know you have if i still think you need to ha you need to come out and say something about it or you need, at least someone in our sphere needs to because well otherwise it's just there unopposed it, there is so much to say about this i mean the other thing is that um it's incredible because Britain, as we mentioned earlier, 
is one of these countries that's extremely censorious. Actually, we might have said that off stream, but anyway, it, it's this country that's wildly censorious. And I, I, from some of the British commentators I've listened to, some of these uh, news stations are coming under fire for spreading so-called false, uh, uh, f- fake news, false information, misinformation, or the phrase, mm-hmm. the word that I know, the word that you and I both love, disinformation. Disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that you know, someone uh, who doesn't have high school English would have uh, high school level English would would use. It just makes my skin crawl hearing that. <laughs> so um, it's, it's the same with yeah, it's the same with me. But um, uh, it's incredible because uh, like. The, the, some of these uh, broadcasting companies like this GB News, and I, I don't know too much about it, but I, I know they're coming under fire because of some of the things yep. that they've published. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that they're coming under fire because they're they're publishing information that's wrong. But yet BBC is able to make this ridiculous rap song saying that <laughs> like all of hi- all of British history was black and they're facing mm-hmm. no consequences whatsoever or this ridiculous book that was made. The other thing that's uh, the other thing to say about it is that I mean that there's this major contradiction in the narratives that they're telling about the, the false narratives that they're telling because on the one hand they're telling us that let's take Britain for example on the one hand they're telling us that Britain is this horribly racist white supremacist country which has this history of colonialism and slavery yes. and racism. And they were just horrible to black people for hundreds of years. Yet at the same time, they're also telling us that there were black people in the aristocracy in the mm-hmm. 16th century. So I, uh, right. they can never they can never pick one. They just they they really want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, and, and they will they will say you know Britain is a racist society. Britain doesn't know how to deal with diversity. Uh, the British are racist people. The British are guilty for colonialism and slavery. And they, they, you know, I am now seeing, this is why I talked about this with Tayeti and I've said this on many occasions. You know, it's not entirely the fault of America. It's just America is in the right time at the right place or wrong time at the wrong place. But with the advent of mass media, globalization and the internet, there is so much American nonsense, which is, now creeping yes. in, seeping into the culture and the rhetoric and the dialectics in so many other countries. One example would be people referring, politicians referring to their countries as nations of immigrants. Yeah. This is being said in Britain. It has only been said in Britain, you know, it's since the early 2000s. I've seen it said by Germans. I, I've heard it said by Germans, rather, I should say. It just, it's nonsense. Uh, to use those exact words, you know, we're a nation of immigrants that comes straight out of America. And yeah, then the other you, one. Uh, oh, like sorry, a, another ahead. example, an example I've seen of that is that uh, and not only what's coming out of America, but the, that they're being influenced by America, but the kind of influence like I've spoken to people so abroad that they, they don't even know who Theodore Roosevelt was, but they know about that Americans uh, were racist to black people and that they had slavery. <laughs> So they'll know about they'll know about the segregated lunch tables, but they don't know who Theodore Roosevelt was. Right. Well, uh, the other example of this, you know, sort of American domination of politics is now we have blacks in Britain demanding reparations, and with all of the inherent NGOs that uh, come up, you know, that crop up with that, and the think tanks and everything that are pushing that. So, like you said, you know. Pick one then. What is it? Because you cannot tell children in school books that blacks were a part of British history since the Roman invasion, since, sorry, sorry, since the construction of Stonehenge by black people. (laughs) Again, they are are saying sub-Saharan Africans, blacks. They aren't saying people with a darker skin tone than today's Brits or, you know, Brits of the 16th century. They are saying that Cheddar Man, for example, as we all know, the, the meme, that that's not just a dark-skinned, blue-eyed man. No, he's, he's a black man. He's black. And when you say black, when they say black, it's understood that you're referring to sub-Saharan Africans. Uh, it's why, like in Survive the Jive's video, he says, you know, Nelson Mandela is quite light-skinned, actually, but he's called black. He's black. He's a black man. 
Whereas there are people in India, there are certain you know ethnicities in India who have darker skin than Nelson Mandela, but we don't call them black because they're not sub-Saharan Africans. So when you use the word black, you're referring to sub-Saharan Africans. So this book is teaching that sub-Saharan Africans built Stonehenge, that they were the native Britons and they fought against other sub-Saharan Africans who were apparently, you know, Roman centurions leading the invasion. And then later, uh, later in, down the centuries, they were part of the aristocracy. So they are the ruling class, they're the, they're the, they're the natives, but then apparently they had no role in colonialism, no role in the slave trade uh, whatsoever. And that's only now, now apparently there's this other class of British people white british people and they're the only guilty party and they need to pay for it yeah exactly like the other thing is the other thing to point out is that if they say that britain is racist and that they they're guilty for colonialism and everything well then are if if black people have been in britain since forever and they're just as british as the british well then are they also guilty of colonialism are they also right. uh, do they do they also have to pay reparations for this you know they they, just... they have it yeah. Uh, There's like a the comment thing... here from yeah. uh, Reed Johnson. I just want to read this comment here because it's so true. From a psychological warfare perspective, the anti-white messaging doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to work. And this is something that Millennial Woes said too. And we were talking about the French, the riots in France from the uh, Algerian population there, and their their and their you know non-French friends. We were talking about how you know. The reason why Alger Algerians kicked out loads of French people and deported them when they gained independence. The reason why the French invaded Algeria in the first place was to put an end to the Barbary slave trade to Algerians, or, you know, before Algeria was, I guess, a, a nation with that name. But, you know, they were going around kidnapping French people and other Europeans and enslaving them. And so the French, you know, took out the whipping stick and invaded and colonized them. Uh, you know, like who drew first blood? We were talking about all sorts of other incoherencies and hypocrisies. And, and then Woes just said, you know, what's so curious, though, is like how much none of that matters mm -hmm. to them. You point out these hypocrisies, you point out these inconsistencies, you point out these, the unfair standards, the unfair application of certain standards, and it just doesn't matter. They don't care. They're, they're so dishonest, and they are only focused on what works like we we're talking about earlier with the bioleninism and and the formation of these communities of just power grabs really cultural domination and influence so yeah you can point out all of the all of the uh the the things that don't make sense but it doesn't they don't need it to make sense they just need it to work and it does work yeah and unfortunately because you know there's that great tweet from a few years ago they said a black woman invented the telescope. You may not think this is true. You may mm. have evidence yes. that shows that it is not mm -hmm. true. But are you really going to lose your job by disagreeing? So then, no, you're mm -hmm. just going to agree that. Yeah, and, and this is the point: is that is that uh, they can just make they can just make things up like this, and they never face any. They, they they're able to get away with it. They're able to make it work somehow. You know, it, going back to mm -hmm. the fact that like that bioleninism thing, and the fact that well, when you have power. You really just don't need to care about hypocrisy, honesty, truthfulness, any kind of fairness. Like none of that matters when you have power. I mean, the other thing I was going to point out was just how how much uh, all this stuff is just grabbing at straws. Like the people, I, I love how uh, Survive the Jive says in his video, like, well, uh, fast forwarding 8,000 years later, because they had, <laughs> they had no examples of those 8,000 years. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, well, in Roman written, and then, oh, well, 1,500 years later? No, yep, uh, yep. Then, oh, well, look, there was one one trumpeter, one guy yep. who actually who played a trumpet in Britain was black. And that's the first actual black person they actually have an example of. You know, and he was grabbing... probably a part of the king's court precisely because he was exotic, yeah, because exactly. he was uh, he was a sort of exotic plaything that the king could display to his fellow royal uh, peers, you know, and say, look what I've got in my court. Oh, really? A, a real black man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because it was so uh, rare. That's the whole point is that it was. Yeah, rare. exactly. It, 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 it was so rare. Otherwise, if, if they were everywhere, then why would he choose them for, as because they were exotic? So, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's obviously it's nonsense, but 
I do think it's worth pointing out, but don't let it get under your skin. So don't let don't let it drive you mad. But I think it's definitely something that I, there needs to be information out there debunking this. And, you know, Tom's video was quite successful. It, it did reach a pretty broad audience. And hopefully mm-hmm. that hopefully that did clarify that for a bunch of people. But, you know, it is and something another else going, going back to you know, what I wrote about recently about, you know, how we need to be making more art and you yourself, you made a short story uh, and you made uh-huh. a video uh, for it. I, that was great, but this would be another opportunity. What I was talking about, about how the right should be, should not be so afraid of being iconoclastic and being irreverent and being funny. And we are funny, certainly as far as the meme uh, war goes. Um, but this would be an example of where the left and the establishment is just so absurd that we should just mock it. You know, this I, the, the ideas in that book and the, the ideas in that song are so stupid that, you know, our guys should be, we should make our own parody song, making fun of them. We should be making our own parody book, you know, or just, you know, not like actually publishing a, you know, self-publishing or publishing a real book, but, you know, doing Photoshopping some pictures from that book and just making it even more absurd, even more laughable because mockery is very effective and the stuff that you know the this bbc horrible histories was putting out and this this children's book is putting out is laughable it is so dumb it's i guess the challenge would be how to make fun of something that's already so ridiculous it by itself but i think this would be an example where you know the creative people in our in our community should be looking to that and thinking maybe i can use this for humorous purposes or iconoclastic purposes I really do feel like um, we need to embrace more of the mentality that we are revolutionaries. We are rebels. And something that frequently revolutionaries do and rebels do is that they they engage in iconoclasm. They, they engage in irreverency. Look how successful our enemies have been at being iconoclastic towards all the things that we care about and mocking them and deconstructing them. And I think we should... Uh, we should lean into that as well. And and they absolutely despise it when you do that. It, it, it mm-hmm. works because they drive Exactly, because the these wall. are the people who consider themselves university educated. Do you have a source for that? You know, don't do your own research. Trust the experts. They love their credentialism. They love their university educated refinement. But yet this is the kind of nonsense that they are required, as you mentioned that tweet, they're required to believe if they want to maintain their position in society. So they, yeah, you're right. They absolutely hate it if they are mocked. Over on Entropy, we have a couple of donations as well. Uh, Friedrich sends in $10. He says, greetings. Thinking of Maloney and her ilk in all white countries, the level of their treason is mind-numbing and probably never seen before in history. I wonder how they can live with themselves. Best regards. You know what? I don't think that's hyperbole. I I have said on various occasions that I struggle to think of a time in history where the ruling class was so openly, so brazenly treacherous to their own people, so disloyal. There's been horrible times in history. There's been horrible moments, but usually that involves some sort of enemy conquest, a takeover, an invasion I can't think of a time, and certainly at such a grand scale, it's happening in so many of our countries. It's not like, oh, you know, the British government is is off doing its own, you know, random stupid thing. But at least the rest of Europe isn't so retarded. Or, you know, it's America's, America, the American empire is just, you know, going going on the path that many empires have taken. And then we know what happens. No, it's happening everywhere from... Even little Estonia is, is getting targeted with this. Even little Latvia, even, you know, inconsequential, small little European countries, you know. And I say inconsequential, not as an insult. I'm just saying on the grand political scale, you wouldn't think that they would be targeted, but they are. And the treachery is just, like you said, it is, it's probably never, never been seen before that so many, so much of the ruling class would just betray their own people in such a flagrant way. <clears throat> okay, then ABC sends in $10 as well. He says, anti-meritocracy stand, uh, toxic indoctrination in schools, replacement migration, rejection of traditional values. There is a very simple explanation. 
They simply hate the countries they live in and their native populations, and they seek their complete destruction. Occam's razor, don't you think? I think that's well, a massive part of it. I, th I, think that, I think that's definitely part of it. Maybe it doesn't explain everything, but it's definitely a factor. See, I think there are people who do have those feelings of hatred towards the country they live in. Sure. It depends, you know, who is being spoken of in that. If like, like we were talking about today, the, the NGOs and those kinds of types and, and the true believers in a, in a world with no nations, no tribal identities, no racial identities. Yeah. They probably do hate having to live in a, Oh, I hate living in, you know, a country that's 90%, 95% homogeneous. I, I just want some more, you know, ethnic restaurants and things like that. Although, you know, at the same time, many liberals, uh, many leftists often live in the most homogeneous areas, safest, whitest neighborhoods possible. So in a way, their actions betray their, their beliefs. And if they really hate the people they live with, the native populations, you know, they certainly love living very close to them and amongst them. Well, um, I I don't know if uh, if like the like there are liberals that like that that hate homogeneity and they really desperately want the ethnic restaurants. I think it's more that they they enjoy inflicting suffering onto people, and and then they and that kind of th this uh, ideology is the way that th that they're able to do that. Yes, I do, and that's why I referenced, uh, I, and I will continue to. I will always <laughs> reference the Labour MP who during the Tony Blair years said that they opened the floodgates to immigration because, and it's a direct quote, they wanted to rub the right's nose in diversity. They were being malicious. <laughs> That's what they wanted to do is they, they just wanted to literally rub it in their opponent's noses. So yeah, I, I don't think it's entirely off the table, but I do think that there are some there are some other elements going on here. It's not just as simple as, oh, they, they hate the native people and they want to, they want complete destruction. Like we were talking about, do they want complete destruction of, you know, first world countries if they're also going to try and implement the fourth industrial revolution and all of the high tech infrastructure that that requires? So again, I, I'm not quite sure that it's yeah, just my, about my hope destroying. is that there my hope is that some of them will come to their senses saying, okay, I, oh, I don't think we actually wanted this, you know, <laughs> to turn the first world into the third. And basically, because, you know, I, I, if you were a member of the elite, at least I'd imagine if you were sane, you'd, you'd actually want a society to rule over. So I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that some of the, that some of them will, you know, when they really see where this is going, will actually make a stand. I don't, again, I don't know, not, I don't know whether that will happen or not, but at least it's a hope that I have. Mm -hmm. But some of them, but you know. There's some comments in the Odyssey chat as well. They're talking about how these things ahead. never affect the ruling class. And that's another thing too. Like when they're talking about culling all of the cows in Ireland and we're not, not, we need to stop eating meat and all this stuff. You know, clearly they aren't going to include themselves in these non-meat diets. And they aren't going to live in neighborhoods and areas of cities where the majority of the population are Ethiopian migrants. So, yes, I, I think there's also an argument to be made that they are trying to create a rather, I guess you could say, not feudal. I don't want to use that word. Um, servile? Yeah, servile population. They, they really do want to create this en enormous distinction between the wealthy ruling class and the plebs. I mean, that could be another uh, another motivation here. Yeah, I mean, I, but then that kind of does go back to the issue that, well, if you're going to have a, if, if they want to have their private jets to fly around the world, you're going to need a corporation that's actually going to be able to produce these private jets. So, you know. And, and a pilot to fly them. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a pilot to fly. And an air traffic controller to guide the, the plane it, into the exactly. uh, environment. Uh, that's why, like, you know, <laughs> In a way, yes, they are shielded from the effects of the elites we're talking about, are shielded mm -hmm. from the effects of diversity. But in the same way, they aren't because a lot of this, the, their lifestyle is very reliant on this system. And if, you know, if the system is in this competency crisis and if that's going to be getting worse, then that will definitely affect them too. You know, you're not going to be able to fly around the world in your private jet and go to your 
private island in the Bahamas or wherever it is mm -hmm. and have like wine from, oh, I don't know, uh, South Africa shipped in and cheese from France and mm -hmm. all of that, that, that's not going to be possible if there isn't a, uh, a system, uh, if there isn't a functional system to facilitate that. Well, that's why I think Friedrich's comment on entropy, you know, where he says I, that the level of this treason is mind numbing and, and never seen before in history. And that's why, you know, we're here having these discussions, trying to wrap our heads around it, because it doesn't seem to make much sense that, you know, that they would be, that they would be trying to do all these various things at the same time. It, you know, a bit of treason. Okay. You know, you have a subversive government. It's been taken over by, you know, this particular group of people has, you know, completely infested politics and culture. You know, we all know what Biden's cabinet is made of, you know, the people who comprise it, for example, and are deciding foreign policy, for example. Okay, so that could make sense then. Okay, this subversive group is trying to enact a, a sort of reformation. They're trying to reform, reshape the world the way they want it. And they're trying to take down, you know, America, the American empire or whatever, or expand it in some ways. Okay, that that would have some have some sense. But all the other stuff going on at the same time and and also so many of our own people going along with it, including people in, in positions of power, it does make it a bit, like you said, mind numbing or even mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, 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 I do have a uh, upcoming uh, blog post on this. So I'll be getting into this kind of, into this, this issue of how, how do we, how do they balance, you know, this technocratic society with this low IQ favela they seem to be creating. Which, <laughs> uh, so I, I will exactly. be getting into this thing. I, I think that's always such a great description that what they're turning the world into is just a global favela, you know, and who, who really benefits from that in the end? Not even they would, to, to be honest. So I, I suppose it's, it's that thing of, you know, perhaps the ideology has become so overwhelming and so powerful that they can't help it. They can't help themselves. And they're just going to end up, like you said, in your Robespierre video, kind of jumping the shark in a way. It's just going to get out of hand that, you know, they've opened this Pandora's box of bad ideas, but they're so slavishly devoted to them that they really have no other choice but to go all the way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, and, and I guess to give away kind of the, my uh, some things that I'm going to be saying in my article, I think that there will. And again, I, maybe I, I hope it's my hope that I that there will be a portion that that won't want to won't want to go all the way that you know are eventually going to say well okay you know we we can't we cannot do this we cannot go we cannot you know continue down this path we're not gonna you know basically it's my hope that there will will be members of the elite who say i'm not you know getting i'm not burning my stake in this uh, the empire that i built up for myself and my um position in in an, in an advanced western society just for this kind of, uh, you know, John Lennon imagined fairy tale. So <laughs> I hope that there are, there will be some people who actually do um, jump ship, uh, you know, yeah. again. It will require some genuine courage though, as you mentioned earlier. Yes, exactly. Uh, these, these, these people who do take that, that position that, you know, the politicians or the, the, the Elon Musk types, for example, they're going to have to start demonstrating some genuine courage yeah. and not just, you know, talking a big talk but then flaking at the slightest resistance or or threat from you know an adl type organization or an activist judge you know uh, it, it, there there's it's just i mean I, I maybe we're finishing soon but it's just worth noting that the the, the word uh caesarism has been used uh morgoth has been big on that spengler talked about caesarism mm -hmm. and you know julius caesar famously crossed the rubicon like it's and that's mm -hmm. kind of become a uh that that's kind of become like the bold step beyond the the point of no return where you're going all in and and, and you're basically just taking this big leap of courage i hope that I, I i do hope that there will be some members of the elite who actually do cross that rubicon i as well and i i hope that they are people who are deserving of a devoted following such as caesar had with his legions okay so five tokens over on odyssey donated by the rules of reality apply again. Thank you for that. He says, regarding Rome, Aurelius was a great man. Along with his degenerate son, Marcus, 
drove two of the biggest nails in Rome's coffin. He invited in foreign hordes to solve plague-induced demographic problems and massively inflated the money supply. History rhymes. Oh, sure. One of the often overlooked nowadays, I suppose, because prior to you know World War II and post-World War II narratives, it was more commonly stated and more openly stated. But nowadays, it's rather overlooked that one of the many causes of the Western Roman Empire's collapse was you know, influxes of so-called refugees, which later turned on the Romans, and also granting Roman citizenship to a bunch of people who could not live up to the Roman ethos. And then through that citizenship that they acquired, they also acquired power and influence. But they, they couldn't and didn't uh, live up to the Roman ethos. And so when you when you change the people, you change a lot of other things too. And yes, all that definitely played uh, a role in the, the downfall of Rome. It's, it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, you know, Aurelius was, uh, he was, you know, he caused that to happen. You know, I think hindsight is obviously 2020. But yeah, it's that history rhymes, definitely. And then Reed Johnson says here, uh, I donated a $10 super chat above. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I see it here. Thank you both for an excellent show. Much appreciated. Please do this again sometime. Yeah, um, I I don't know when I'll be able to host next time. I'm going to have a pretty uh, full schedule in the coming months. But I, I love hosting these on the chances that I do get them. And uh, judging by the uh, comments and replies and reception, I think that you guys like them too. And I always love talking to brilliant guests. And our guest tonight, Endeavor, was one of them. So thanks for <clears throat> joining me on this Saturday evening, Endeavor. Thanks for having me on. And um, there are still some really good comments going on, uh, good conversation going on in the uh, Odyssey chat there talking about uh, the Roman ethos and religion. Unfortunately, uh, I won't get into it tonight. We don't have the time, but definitely there's a lot to talk about there. Oh, and I also see here on uh, DLive, Norse Nature donated two ice creams uh, and, a, and a diamond as well. So hmm, thank you very much. <laughs> Again, I refuse to learn what any of that means. So diamonds and ice creams. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care, everyone. And uh, we will speak soon. Bye-bye.